while back, Morgan and I watched a documentary called Downfall. And this documentary opens with the crash of Lion Air Flight 610 into the Java Sea in Indonesia. And only 19 weeks later, Ethiopian Airlines Flight 302 crashed near the town of Bishoftu, Ethiopia. Both planes were manufactured by Boeing, and both planes were the new Boeing model, the Boeing 737 MAX. And initially, the crashes were blamed on the pilots. Operator error was the official story. But after some digging, it was revealed that Boeing had implemented a new system on the 737 MAX, largely unbeknownst to the pilots. The Maneuvering Characteristics Augmentation System, or MCAS for short, was designed to automatically level out the nose of the plane when the plane sensed that the nose was either too high or too low. The problem was that Boeing had hardly publicized the implementation of the new MCAS in order to avoid pilot simulator training required by FAA regulations. And although the 737 MAX was essentially an entirely new aircraft and the MCAS was an entirely new system, Boeing wanted to avoid the FAA requirement of training pilots on the new aircraft. Therefore, Boeing released the 737 MAX as merely another 737 version and only made sparse mention of the MCAS on iPad training for pilots. All of this shook people's confidence in the name Boeing. Ever since commercial air travel began, Boeing has manufactured aircraft with the utmost concern for safety and reliability. Boeing was a name you could trust. But over the past decade, several former Boeing employees report a change in management that emphasized quantity over quality, speed over safety, and profits over people. And the questionable behavior surrounding the MCAS, which led to two crashes, dealt serious blows to the name <coughs> Boeing. Boeing was no longer the name you could trust. Well, today, and all throughout Advent, we are looking at a name that deserves all of your trust. And a name that is worthy of your trust. And a name is, that is the most trustworthy name. A name to which every knee will bow and every tongue will confess is Lord someday. A name that is above all names. This Advent, we will be looking at a name that is above all names. A question for you. What do you do with spills on the countertop? What do you do with windows that are dirty? What do you do with runny noses? And what do you do with babies' bottoms? You wipe them. You wipe them. That's what you do to dirty windows and runny, runny noses and babies' bottoms, is you wipe them. And today, we begin with the W in wipe them, which is wonderful counselor. You'll remember all these names yet <laughs> at the end of Advent when you wipe them. Isaiah 9.6 prophesies that the Messiah, the coming King, will be a wonderful counselor. One of his names will be wonderful counselor. In the Old Testament, a counselor was an advisor to the king. This was someone who was part of the royal court probably had expertise on particular matters and would advise the king on things like diplomacy, war, trade, the economics of the nation, 
the, the feelings of the population. And so a counselor would give the king counsel in whatever area the king needed counsel on. And there's this famous story in the Old Testament where after Solomon died, his son Rehoboam becomes king. And this young king, the people of Israel come to Rehoboam and they say, hey, you know, your dad was really hard on us. We had a lot of work to do and taxes were high. And so we could really use a break from this heavy burden that we were carrying under your father Solomon. And so could you ease up a bit on us? And so King Rehoboam takes this matter to the council. Let's pick it up in 1 Kings 12 verses 6 to 7. Then King Rehoboam discussed the matter with the older men who had counseled his father Solomon. What is your advice? Rehoboam asked. How should I answer these people? The older counselors replied, if you are willing to be a servant to these people today and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your loyal subjects. So in return, they'll always loyally and faithfully serve you. So this is the counsel of the advisors to the king. And King Rehoboam doesn't love that advice so much, and so he seeks the counsel of his peers, of his buddies, who are young like he is. He says, what should I do with the people? And his buddies say, you got to show them who's boss. Now's the time to put your foot down. You tell those people, you thought it was hard under my dad, it's going to be even harder under me. You thought taxes were bad under my dad, it's going to be even higher under me. So King Rehoboam follows the counsel of his younger buddies. Well, that was bad advice. That was bad counsel. King Rehoboam tells the people, buckle up, it's going to be even worse under me. The people rebel, and it eventually results in the division of the kingdom. And so the southern kingdom splits into the northern kingdom of Israel, and uh, the northern kingdom splits off into the northern kingdom of Israel, and the southern kingdom splits off into the nation of, of Judah. And so in the Old Testament, counselors were advisors to the king. In our contemporary context, one of the images of a counselor is a therapist or a mental health professional or a psychologist or a psychiatrist or a counselor. These are people that we seek out for issues in our lives. Sometimes we have a problem in our life that we can't seem to manage, and so we go to a counselor, someone to help us with what's going on in our minds, in our brains. Sometimes we might seek out a counselor for marriage help, a marriage counselor. Unfortunately, some of us have experienced abuse or some form of trauma, and so we might seek out a counselor to work through that abuse or that trauma. We seek out counselors potentially for substance abuse problems or addictions that we want to address and eradicate from our lives. So we seek out these mental health professionals, these counselors, to help us with various issues in our lives. That's one contemporary image of a counselor, a mental health professional. Another contemporary image for a counselor is a lawyer or legal counsel or an attorney. What did the attorney name his daughter? Sue. <laughs> like that one? Yeah, Bob Turner will appreciate that one. Um, yeah, I figured you'd like that one. I'd think you'd like that one. Oh, a boy named Sue. You doubled it. You doubled it. You just, I see what you did there. That was a quick turnaround on that. Yeah, I like that. Wow. You one-upped me just like that. That was well done. Legal counsel advises us on legal matters. We don't know the law, and the attorney does. 
So we might have estate planning to do, so we seek out an attorney for that, or we might have a will that we need to craft and file, so we seek out an attorney for that. Unfortunately, in cases of divorce, we might seek out an attorney to divide up the assets and figure out custody and so forth. So we seek out legal counsel for legal advice. Law has this interesting role in his job as an engineer with Kohler. He testifies on behalf of Kohler as an expert engineer, an expert witness. So Kohler is a global company, and so they face lawsuits all the time, and they have legal counsel on retainer, and so my father-in-law will meet with Kohler's legal counsel. The legal counsel will advise my father-in-law on the lawsuit and on this legal strategy, and then as an expert engineer, he will testify in court on behalf of Kohler. So fly somewhere for two days, testify in court, fly home. Fly somewhere for two days, testify in court, fly home. So legal counsel advises us, makes us aware. Morgan and I, not long ago, read the first two books in a series called The Lincoln Lawyer by Michael Connolly. And we read the first two books because the second book has a TV series that just recently came out made on it called The Lincoln Lawyer. It's a thrilling series. I disagree, Joey. I liked it. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I liked it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so it stars uh, the Lincoln lawyer, who's a man by the name of Mickey Haller. And Mickey Haller advises his clients. He knows the law, uh, and he not only advises his clients on what the legal strategy will be, but he argues the case before the judge, argues the case before the jury. And so a legal counselor gives us legal counsel, advising us on what to do, advising us on how to proceed, but then they also argue our case in terms of trial. So we have this counselor word, and in a modern context, when we hear counselor, we might think of therapists and counselors, mental health professionals, but then we also might think about lawyers and legal counsel. But then there's this other word that makes up this name, which is wonderful counselor. We have this wonderful word before the word counselor. And we get to benefit from the fact that we're living on the other side of Isaiah 9-6. That we know who this person is, who this Messiah is, that he's already come. And we know that Isaiah 9-6 is talking about Jesus and that Isaiah 9-6 is assigning the name Wonderful Counselor to Jesus, God's Son, who's already come. And he is a wonderful counselor, to be sure. Jesus is a wonderful counselor. John 1.14 says, We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. And one of the ways that we see his glory in how, is in how wonderful of a counselor he is. We see his glory in how wonderful of a counselor Jesus is. The literal Greek is a wonder of a counselor. Isn't that great? That he is a wonder of a counselor. He is a wonder of a counselor because he has all wisdom and knowledge. Everything there is to know, he knows. All wisdom you could possibly gain, he has. There is not anything that he does not know. There is not some piece of knowledge that he is unaware of. There is not some trove of wisdom that he has not tapped. The theological word for this is omniscient. Simply, he knows everything. He knows everything there is to know. He is a wonderful counselor because he has all wisdom and he has all knowledge. There is nothing to which he says, oh, I didn't know that. 
When you go to a counselor or a mental health professional, boy, I sure hope they know things that I don't know. Otherwise, we're wasting time here. I hope they have some knowledge and some wisdom that I don't have. That's why I'm going to you. Because you, feasibly, have knowledge and wisdom and expertise that I don't have. Because I'm facing these issues and these problems, and I'm kind of at my end with it. I've done what I can with it. And so now I'm seeking your wisdom and knowledge to help me with what i got going on here. You seek out a counselor because you hope that they know something that you don't. You go to a counselor because they can say to you, well, Bill, there's this personality structure that has this type of tendency, and you have that type of tendency. And here's this tendency, how it manifests in your life, and that sets you up for disappointment. And that's why you get frustrated. And it's like, oh, I did not know about that personality structure. And now that you say that, yeah, that describes me. And I see that manifesting in my life. And so now because you knew that and I didn't, you've brought that into view for me and now I can see it and now I can address it and now I can apply it to what I have going on in my life. And you can help me and give me your advice and your counsel on how I can proceed dealing with these issues and managing these things in my personality structure. They knew something I didn't. Similarly, when we go to legal counsel, we go to legal counsel because they know things about the law that we do not. At least we hope they know things about the law that we do not. When I was with First Presbyterian Oostburg, we were separating from the Presbyterian Church USA denomination. And in that separation, there was this argument then about to whom did the assets of the church belong? Did they belong to the congregation or did they belong to the denomination? Certainly as the congregation, we wanted to keep the assets that we rightfully owned. And so we retained legal counsel. We, we hired a, a biblical God-loving man named Forrest Norman out of Cleveland, Ohio. And boy, it became clear with the first phone meeting with our attorney, Forrest Norman, that this guy knows what we don't know. Right out of the gate. He, he, he was, he's practicing in, in Cleveland, Ohio, but he knew Wisconsin is a neutral principles of law state. That means that you have a shot in court. If Wisconsin was not a neutral principles of law state, the courts would defer to the denomination and you might as well not even fight it. It's like, whoa, we didn't even know that. And then he tells us this. He says, this was another piece of knowledge that he had and piece of wisdom he advised us in that we didn't think of. He said, you need to set up a trust. Now, I know trusts can get churches into trouble, but this was for a purpose and for a specific period of time. He said, set up a trust and then have your people give to the trust and appoint trustees over that trust that are not part of the leadership of the church. And so that way, in the event of a denominational takeover, you would not lose all your funds because you'd have this trust. And so we set up the trust and we had people give to the trust and we drained the general fund so that that money was sheltered in case the worst would happen. It's like, I didn't think of that. And he had to set that up. And then when our legal battle was done, we dissolved the trust now that that money was safe. It's like, yeah, this is why we hired this guy. He knows the stuff that we don't know. And what I loved about him is not only would he give us legal advice, but everything was, well, the Bible says this, and so we're going to do this. And the Bible doesn't say this, so here are some options that you can do according to biblical you know, allowance here. And so he had the knowledge that we didn't have. He had the wisdom to advise us on how to proceed in our legal matters. 
Isaiah 40.13 says, Who is able to advise the Spirit of the Lord? Who knows enough to teach Him or advise Him? And the answer rhetorically is, Nobody! Nobody can teach God. Nobody can advise the Lord on something because there's nothing that He doesn't know. You can advise Him on it. He'd be like, yeah, I knew that already. I know all things. Nobody. So we have a counselor who knows all. Why would we not desperately seek that counselor? Why would we not go to the one who knows all and has all wisdom and all knowledge? Think of it from a legal strategy point at some point. You know, how often are you like, man, I wish I knew what the other guy was doing. I wish I knew what the other side's strategy was. I wish I knew what their next move was. Well, guess what? We have a counselor who knows. Because he knows it all. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, German pastor, said, To those who recognize in Jesus the wonder of the Son of God, every one of his words and deeds becomes a wonder. They find in him the last, most profound, most helpful counsel for all needs and questions. In Jesus, you find the last, most helpful, most profound counsel for all of the things that you could possibly need. You got something going on in your life? Bring it to the wonderful counselor. Bring it to the one who knows all. You have this repeated behavior in your life that's just killing you. Bring it to the wonderful counselor who has the most profound advice to give. You're at your wit's end and you've run out of ideas, go to the wonderful counselor who can advise you. Repeated pattern of sin in your life, bring it to the wonderful counselor who knows all and can advise you. Why would we not seek out this wonderful counselor? I recently had a, a, someone from the church call me. Say, Bill, I've got a big decision I need to make. And as he was describing the decision to me, he said, I've been submitting it to the Lord. And as soon as he got done describing, I said, there's your answer right there. You did the right thing. You submitted your question to the Lord. You submitted your choice and your decision to the Lord. That's the best counsel you can ask for. The wonderful counselor who has all wisdom and all knowledge. But yet I don't understand why some of us don't go to him. It's kind of like the person who resists going to a counselor. Clearly there's issues. Clearly you're at your wit's end. Clearly, you need help, but you won't seek it out. Why? Are you too proud? Do you think that going to a counselor is showing weakness in some way? Do you think that in some way it's not worth it to you? Why don't you go seek the wonderful counselor? Shelve that pride. Go to him. Why do we not think of him first when we have problems and when we have issues and decisions to make? We should be going to him first. Don't resist him. Go to him. Shelve that pride. He is a wonder of a counselor because he has all wisdom and he has all knowledge and he is a wonderful counselor because he is wisdom and knowledge embodied. Well, now, what do I mean by that? Wisdom and knowledge embodied. Well, let me put it this way. You can gain wisdom and knowledge and advice from reading a book. It's a good source of wisdom, knowledge, advice. You learn things when you read books. I mean, I credit my mom. Growing up, she would read books on parenting. It's like she always had a parenting book going on, right? 
learning how to parent us kids as much as she could, learning what she could from reading books and trying to figure out how to be the best parent she could be. And so you can, you can gain wisdom and knowledge and advice from a book. Good source. But you know what's even better than going to a book? Is calling up a trusted friend. One of you said the word trust when Dee asked for why'd you go to the person. Calling up a trusted friend and saying, hey, I've got a decision to make. Can I buy you lunch? I'd love to run some stuff by you. Or I have some stuff going on. I need some help. I need some advice. You willing to grab lunch together and I can run this by you? I, I want to hear what you have to say. What do you think about this? What's even better than getting wisdom and knowledge from a book is going to another flesh and blood human being and saying, help me, advise me, counsel me on this. I need your wisdom. I need your knowledge. Advise me. And in Jesus, we have all wisdom and knowledge embodied. There's this funny quote that says, I possess a device in my pocket that is capable of accessing the entirety of information known to man. I use it to look at pictures of cats and get into arguments with strangers. <laughs> all, right. all this knowledge in a device, but that's a device. That's an impersonal screen. In Jesus, we have all wisdom and knowledge. And not in a device, but in a person. The person of Jesus. And so when we go to the Wonderful Counselor, here's why this matters. You say, why does this matter that he's embodied? When you go to the Wonderful Counselor, you're not going to some impersonal, God-forced dispensary of information. You're not going to a screen that'll likely make you addicted anyway. You're going to the God-man. You're going to the Son of God who is a person, who is human, like you and me. So we're not going to an impersonal God force that's way out there. We're going to Jesus, the Son of God, who is a human like us. That's why he is a wonderful counselor. He is all wisdom and all knowledge embodied in a person. You get to go to another person. He is a wonder of a counselor because he has all wisdom and knowledge. He is a wonder of a counselor because he is all wisdom and knowledge embodied and he is a wonder of a counselor because he not only argues our case but he wins our case this wonderful counselor wins our case in the lincoln lawyer series there's a man who is a big shot tech company owner who's accused of of murdering his wife and all the evidence points to him being the killer and so he needs the best defense that money can buy because he's in a bad spot so he hires Mickey Holler, who's the best defense that money can buy. And Mickey Holler argues his case before the judge and before the jury. We need the best defense because we're all guilty. We've all got blood on our hands. We're all on death row. We all have the sentence proclaimed upon us. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we need the best defense. And we have the best defense in the wonderful counselor who argues our case before the judge. And he argues our case and says, Judge, my client deserves to die. It's true. They're guilty. They've sinned. 
They deserve death. But that sentence, that death sentence, has already been paid. And our wonderful counselor lifts his hands and says, the evidence is right here. The debt has been paid. So our wonderful counselor not only argues our case, but our wonderful counselor wins our case by lifting his hands. I'll close with Bonhoeffer again. He says, go to the child in the manger. Believe him to be the son of God and you will find in him wonder upon wonder, counsel upon counsel. Thank you, Jesus.